Why, hello there, Chris Spaggs. I am broadcasting from new Parts Unknown. It sounds like, based on the audio, you are broadcasting from the nicest dungeon that we're ever going to record from. It is, in fact, Pete's debut from his new home. You can see the surfboard promoting fantasy life. He is here for you guys, and we are here talking about the guys that we are packing our bags for as my laptop audio goes off. We're also hitting one of our final Best Ball Mania 3 drafts on Underdog. We're competing for $10 million on there. Can Pete and I win it in this home stretch? You'll find out right after this intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend of mine, Pete Overzet. Pete, you had the sentimental goodbye to your former studio slash home. Now you're in the new one. How are you feeling after this exhausting process? Uh, I mean, I probably should still be unpacking right now. I should have blown you off, but, uh, you know, the people the people demanded it. So uh, we're, we're here doing Splash Play and, uh, you know, leaving the movers hanging out to dry. Yeah, fuck those movers. They don't want to draft teams, though. Pete and I were speculating these would be heavy running back guys, the movers. That's just the kind of blue-collar workers you expect to be drafting running backs early on today. The goal will be to not draft running backs and also to talk about the guys we pack some bags for. But first of all, make sure you are liking this video and subscribe to Pete's channel as well as the Splash Play channel. we got a question in the chat from Anthony S. asking when the show will be moving. The show will be moving officially to the Splash Play channel next week. So make sure you are subscribed over at YouTube.com slash C slash Splash Play Pod but I imagine for the Friday Ride or Die show, so it'll be flipping the switch. So go get over there now, subscribe, and also get some bonus solo streams for me in the meantime as well over there. And of course, make sure you go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe as well. Lots of great things going on over there. The data's being added. They're doing their own mock drafts on the YouTube channel. So go check out the Football Outsiders guys who I think have been done, uh, doing a great job getting prepped for the season and people prepped for the season as well with things like the Football Outsiders Almanac that you can see over my left shoulder. The Pete got some one, one depressing news item, one, I guess, shocking news item just get as alert over the weekend. We've talked a lot about the fragility of running backs, how things can happen, injuries happen, death chart things happen, vulture TDs happen. Pete, the one thing we didn't talk about a lot are guys getting shot in carjackings. Brian Robinson, unfortunately, took two shots to the lower extremities, it looks like. The reports that came out today were that he got shot in the butt, got shot in the leg, uh, but Ron Rivera not rolling him out, not putting him on the non-football injury list yet, which means they don't think uh, that he might miss four games. It's a possibility, Pete, that he plays this year. How do you handle a situation like this one that quite frankly had me googling gunshot wound recovery times on Qora last night I didn't know what to do so what are you doing well some of us you know actually just took the high road and stopped thinking about fantasy football for a second and uh yeah it's awesome to hear that he is doing better and uh recovering well it sounds like uh he's in good spirits from what we've heard and uh yeah I believe uh, a few of the reporters have dove into uh the football implications seem pretty open-ended you know a chance he plays this season it seems very very unlikely that we see him for at least a couple of months I don't know just reading the tea leaves of how people are talking about that so yeah uh just super scary and uh you know he was rising up draft boards very quickly it seems like he was in line to have a super big year and I have seen people already starting to draft uh Antonio Gibson now aggressively again so I guess we're back on that 
I kind of feel like an AJ pointing out Bama guys are built different. He'll probably play next week. They had two dudes do it in the last decade. I don't know that I expect him to be back that fast, but I kind of worry overall, Pete, about like I took Antonio Gibson in a draft I did last night. was up late. Couldn't sleep until one. So I hammered a few surprisingly soft best ball mania drafts on underdog. Again, if you're drafting at night, probably going to find some weaker teams drafting in those pools with the casual players out there. But I did take Antonio Gibson at like the 95 spot. Felt okay about that. But I kind of worry where Pete, even in the preseason games, they were subbing out Gibson at the goal line putting in Jonathan Williams uh, going some other directions in Antonio Gibson and it kind of still feels like people are going to treat this like it's a new day for Antonio Gibson but I do worry that they just kind of made their minds up on him and it doesn't matter even if Brian Robinson getting shot like I think they still don't want to play him that heavy yeah that's probably right and probably going to see a decent amount of uh JD McKissick too. So yeah, I, I agree with that take. I wouldn't be chasing Antonio Gibson uh, backup draft boards. They seem to, as you said, have made up their mind on him. And also, Pete, it is cut day going on over the next 24 hours. I think the close of business by uh, 5 p.m. tomorrow is when all the teams have to be down to their 53-man rosters. Nothing too shocking that I've seen yet. I guess the most surprising one or a guy who's done something, Laquan Treadwell getting cut by the Jags. Is there anything you've seen in terms of cut day? It seems like Rojo might be safe, which is one thing that was going the other way. He had a nice preseason game and a chance that he makes the roster. But anything that you're expecting or that you've seen that I might have missed? Uh, there was just a few minutes ago, or I guess an hour ago, uh, the Vikings beat reporters are saying that Alexander Madison might get traded. Uh, he wants a contract extension and it sounds like if he doesn't get that, he wants to be a starting running back somewhere. So I could see, uh, maybe a little trade rumor heating up for him having a guy like Alexander Madison or Ronald Jones change teams right before the start of the season could be pretty fun. But yeah, I haven't seen a ton other than that. A lot of stuff now coming down the pike as far as like guys who might not play week one, you know, you're looking at guys like JK Dobbins, Robert Tunyon, a lot of these guys who are on slower, you know, injury timelines than maybe expected. And uh, I think we, we might be in for some surprises week one, as far as guys we assumed might be ready. Uh, uh, Najee Harris was another one who's been battling with stuff. And there seemed to be some like legit uncertainty with his health as well. Yeah, Madison, when you said that, I, people might have noticed my eyes bugging out briefly because I did not see that report. We were earlier in the preseason worried about Madison maybe being cut for uh, some. And Wangwu has made some positive strides in that backfield as well. Ty Chandler had a nice preseason for the Vikings. Madison getting traded, though. I've got 17% of him BBM would definitely be worried, but uh, could be something weird here that comes down. And of course, we'll talk about it on Thursday's show more if anything does happen. Um, yeah, Pete, I feel like we should just talk about the guys we're packing our bags for. And of course, it's cute today because Pete moved. I thought it could be fun here. I had to make the thumbnail today, which I think I could just take over as responsibility, Pete. I know people are really digging these thumbnails and putting out there. You know, this one was better than your one the other day. The other one had the classic too much spag shit in it. Um, this one was a little more tighter and uh, aesthetically pleasing. I've been uh, trying to get a little bit more minimalist with my design, but we're packing our bags for some guys. Obviously, we have about 10 days left in the draft season, so you're going to pack your bags either intentionally or unintentionally for some guys. But I do have to say, one guy that, Pete, I am packing my bags for a little bit now, and I'll lead it off, and you can kind of go from there. Darren Waller, I put on the thumbnail, and he is a guy that I like a lot. And, I, and to be clear, like for me, packing my bags, if he falls in the right spot, I'll still take him here and there because I do believe heavily in trying to get that elite tight end in the first five rounds. But Darren Waller, I've got 20%, Pete, and I worry, like, we kind of nickel and dime releases in the industry. People nickel and dime Travis Kelsey about his age, uh, pointed to, you know, the fact that he's a little bit older. The snaps are going down in the preseason. The snaps have gone down every regular season as well when his snaps have gone down in the preseason. But I feel like 
Waller's kind of old. Waller's also been hurt, maybe holding out. And I feel like I've been drafting him blindly, like trying to get that upside, trying to leverage off the fact that I think Devontae Adams is going to take a lot of attention away that's going to make Waller have the best opportunity he's had to at least have that touchdown upside. And I feel like now, like I'm so heavily exposed to him that that Waller scares me quite a bit, Pete. And I don't know if you have similar thoughts, but uh, Waller to me is a guy, my bags are mostly packed. No, yeah, and I'm showing a very funny tweet that John Daigle had uh, a few minutes ago, and I think this sums up the whole Darren Waller thing uh, to a T. And I had heard some rumors about this, and I do think that this feels far more like him just uh, angling for an extension than him actually being banged up. On the other hand, Darren Waller's perpetually hurt and dinged up throughout the season, normally doesn't get in a full week of practices, so it's hard to untangle the actual injury from the extension stuff, but I'm guessing he's going to be good to go. Anybody you've got your bags packed that you want to say is your number one bag packed player. I mean, I should check my, uh, I haven't checked my exposures in a while, although I still have been uh, trying to get a couple best ball mania, three teams done a night. Let me check my exposure. I mean, I feel like my bags are packed on. Let's see here. T Higgins, Debo Samuel, Rashad White is now actually my highest owned. So my I have three guys over 20%. KJ Hamler, T. Higgins, Rashad White. Uh, Hamler, I just continue to draft. Like some of those guys, I, I've pumped the brakes on a bit. Debo is the biggest guy that I'm like, I think I'm done taking Debo because I was hammering him so much early. I was over 20% on him. I'm down to 17% because I basically just stopped taking him in drafts um, just because I was targeting him so aggressively. And now I think he's probably slightly uh, overpriced now that we know Ayuk is having such a dominant camp. So him, Debo's probably one, my, my true like bags are packed guy. So I think that's a reasonable one. I, you know, the high talented guys, like the really high upside guys going in the first few rounds, I tend to think I'm more inclined to keep going with them. I will say some other guys that I have my bags packed for, um, Brian Robinson, I've got 11% Pete. I feel like that's probably speaks for itself. Uh, don't need to get any two more invested there. Tyler Algier, his numbers are starting to come up ADP wise after a nice two touchdown preseason game over the weekend. I've got 24% of him. I don't foresee wanting any more, uh, Spiller and Rojo guys. I have in the 13% range in best ball mania. I feel like I'm pretty good with them as well. Spiller, it feels like could be getting pushed by Josh Kelly, another young running back who uh, didn't, didn't really pan out in the past, but could kind of bubble up uh, this year. Drink if you are playing the bubble up Spags game at home. Uh, Traylon Burks, I'm with you on dubs. And Pete, a guy that hurts me that I have to pack my bags on officially after this weekend. Drew Locke, you want to know what my final exposure is in Best Ball Mania for Drew Locke? I mean, I remember the days when you were at 18, 19%. My guess is you got it down to about 6%. You are honestly alarmingly on my brain right now. Overall, 6% across the puppies, across Best Ball Mania. And Best Ball Mania itself, though, I am apparently at 8.3%. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you can't say even with the field because he's not getting drafted in every draft. So you are still massively overweight. Even with where the field should be. And I will say for my official statement, I had a nice retweet from our pal Ian Hart. It's over at PFF going viral for comparing Drew Locke to, uh, to Brett Favre over the weekend, which, you know, again, Brett Favre a gunslinger. Why is Drew Locke not a gunslinger? But I do think Drew Locke will be starting come week 17 that is my bet that is my thesis of the play there's an interesting athletic article talking about it too Pete Carroll's decision uh what he cares about with ball security and that's why they chose Gino and uh not for the excitement not for the upside to score points but because Gino is not going to piss himself time and time again like Drew Locke did against the vaunted Cowboys defense Pete that people don't talk about the Cowboys the new 18 uh, 1985 Bears they're coming out there lighting up everybody 
I like that you're giving yourself, you know, 17 weeks to still get out from under this bad take, you know, way to just like really kick the can down the road. I thought you were going to say by like week six and I was like, all right, at least we could check in on that. No, it's, it's the thesis of drafting Drew Locke is that he would just be playing in week 17 for you. Yeah, the one week that matters the most, Keith, as we've seen on countless videos, but we know it's time to hop into a draft for Best Ball Mania 3. Are, are we doing it on your account or do you want to do it yeah. on mine? Let's okay. do it on mine. Uh, I, I was like thinking about my schedule with unpacking. My parents are coming into town Thursday, which is actually going to be nice because they're going to help us with some stuff around the house. And then I'm heading to Vegas next week on Wednesday. And so I'm just like, when the, when the hell am I going to get these drafts done? So yes, we are going to do a draft. And I will say, I didn't do best ball breakfast this morning. I think I'm going to do a late night version tonight, maybe 9 or even 10 p.m., Eastern. So uh, maybe best ball nightcap if you guys want to watch another best ball stream uh, later tonight. I was thinking about doing some last minute night streams, Pete, because we've seen some quality views going on in the late night windows. And, you know, I feel like uh, we seem to be missing out on a, a special time for people out there to really rack up the views. Yeah, it's, it's hard to know who you might be referencing that. It could really be anyone, right? Well, I mean, I, I will say, can, can we talk about it? Are you okay talking about it? Like yeah. in general, we'll be nice. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we did receive a DM over the weekend from a certain YouTuber who has been perhaps the butt of some jokes, including on the Friday stream where Drafted on DraftKings had somebody under a fake uh, username drafting uh, a one fifteen three one lineup on DraftKings to mock. Uh, I'll say the Fantasy Flock YouTube channel is doing a lot of a lot of great work over on his channel. Go check him out. And Pete, I felt like the tone came in a little aggressive on the DM, but still friendly. But then the lack of follow-up made me think that he does not like us very much. <laughs> Well, here's the thing, Spags, about this DM, and you did kind of bury the lead there. I, I know what's been said on this show. I have no clue what kind of crazy fucked up shit you're saying on the Friday-only Splash Play show. So maybe you had torched any relationship with Mr. Flock. I, so then I'm in the DMs, and I have no idea. I, I'm only speaking for what I know, which is a very cordial relationship. So th that that's on your own over on that channel. I think it's all in good fun. At the end of the day, we're punching up. We just have a thousand subs on here. We don't have 80,000 subs. So sure. Pete and I have been doing this for, you know, a decade, you know, building up knowledge, really accumulating information for ourselves. Um, did we pick already? What happened? <laughs> did, did you sneak a one one by me? I didn't even know I had 101. I went to, uh, no, sorry. This is a slow draft. I did hop in a slow draft. I was so confused. I was like, on? what the fuck? I was like, how did we already pick? No, here we go. We're back. <laughs> okay, good. Yes. So uh, I would say for us, you know, we're punching up, trying to have fun. And ultimately, Pete, what I care about is people getting the best information possible, drafting the right way, hopefully not losing their money. So at the end of the day, I will lighten up my personal parries uh, to certain other people out there. But ultimately, uh, I think it comes from a place of love, Pete. We want people to make the best decisions they can for their money. Uh, yeah. Also, what the hell is going on in this draft? Jonathan Taylor just went 105. Uh, goodness. These um, drafts are really getting very variable from what I've seen down the home stretch. Yeah. H Dota, why do you sound like you're in a tin can, Pete? Well, H Dota, uh, because I just changed my entire streaming setup and this is my first stream. I'm sorry I don't have the audio fidelity for you, Mr. Dota, that makes you happy right now, right under the gun. You shouldn't even be getting this fucking stream. Uh, Austin <laughs> Eckler? Oh, uh, yeah, that's fun. <laughs> Although we could get... I'm trying to think. We might get buried here. This might be an avalanche room. Um, also, where's the super chat from Nick? Because that just disappeared for me. I I think this is a an avalanche room, so we're going to go lamb. 
Okay. I support that. I, I look, I like CD lamb. I've gotten some, uh, some generous BBM rooms lately where lamb has fallen to the 17, to the 20 spot. Uh, so I don't get that. I don't think that should ever be the case. Um, but yeah, I feel like getting lamb here works and, uh, avoiding the wide receiver avalanche Pete. I feel like at this point could be uh, detrimental if you don't read that room, right? Yeah, once you start seeing Adams going at seven over Eckler, I start to I start to get the avalanche tingles. So we're getting some interesting questions from some new names in chat. I want to make sure to call it out here as our picks coming up. But 40V saying, if you're doing 50 BBM three joints, how evenly exposed should you be? Or is it more plus EV to be a bit more concentrated as opposed to 150 maxer? Uh, Pete, I'm going to try to quickly sum up the conversations you've had with Brick. But uh, overall, the ownership for the Best Ball Mania entries for any player who gets drafted a bunch is going to be around 8%. So if you have more than that, you're saying you know more than the field. If you draft them less, you're saying you don't like that player fundamentally. Correct. Hang on. I'm trying to think what we want to do here. Um, this is a gross spot. Uh, Reach I'm just going to get, I'm going to get Tyreek. Oh, I told you, okay. I, I packed my bags on him. Tyreek is coming up because of the two big touchdowns. So I've been trying to avoid Tyreek cause I just don't want to buy him now. Like I've got enough. I've got more than double the field on Tyreek, but I do feel like Tyreek getting a 50 yard bomb from Tua. like people are probably the most comfortable they've been all preseason with, or, you know, off season really with Tyreek Hill on the dolphins. Yeah, I would say too. I mean, I I would hate to start like this in a normal uh, BBM three room. I don't think I would have to do that. But the bonus is when you do this thing where you're essentially getting two first, two second round picks. And so I would think that the combinations of Lamb and Tyree Kill are relatively unique, or more so unique than a lot of those pairings. So that's the only one silver lining of being in a piss boy room like this. And I mean to to piggyback on what Forty V was asking for. It also, it just has to do with your own risk tolerance and also like your style of play. Like we've talked about this over the season. Like if you think you have an edge on a mispriced player and you want to keep hammering that over and over and allow a lot of your season to hinge on that guy as, you know, Chess Liam famously did last year with Gabriel Davis, right? Like he had a lot riding on it. Granted, that was, you know, a 13th, 14th round pick. So even if Gabe Davis tears his ACL, it's not like Liam's season is over, but it just really depends on your own level of risk tolerance and where you think your strengths are at. You know, I, like I said, I've been hammering KJ Hamler. I think he's mispriced. I'm still only at 20%. I'm still only taking him in one in five drafts. There might be people who are even more aggressive than me who will take him at 140 in every draft and get up to 25, 30% on him. So it all depends on, on your own tolerance. I, I still want to get these guys at ADP, even the guys I really like. Yeah, and I kind of, after that Brick show that uh, I talked about again, it was one of the first little show that uh, Pete and Brick did where they were really diving deep on the game theory. And again, I really respect what Brick brings to the table as somebody that's won a lot of money playing DFS and has formed kind of the best best ball takes that he can create off of that prism. Like for me, I'm comfortable getting 3X to field on a guy. So like, that's why Tyler Algier, I love him. I still think he's going cheap enough, but at 24%, I feel like I don't need to go crazy on it. So it's basically the concept of playing exploitatively versus playing according to the more conservative styles of play is what Brick explained it. So if you're playing drafting guys more than 8%, you're playing exploitatively, which means you think you know something the rest of the field doesn't. If you draft under 8%, you're basically saying like, All right, I didn't get this guy or I don't like this guy. And those are the two, the two sort of uh, lines you're drawing in the sand. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's see here. Porky's. I thought someone rolling said Porky's is unpacking Pete's kitchen right now, starting Henry Najee. And I thought Porky's was like a name of a national moving company. I wasn't aware of it. I realized, no, it's actually the user name here. Porky's just a, a moving company full of heavy set gentlemen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can trust these guys at Porky's. 
Uh, I'm sorry. I'm taking Leonard Fournette at three nine. Okay. I mean, look, you have enough Rashad White. I feel like you probably got to get some Fournette down the home stretch. Yeah. I don't always draft Leonard Fournette, but it's generally Ted picks after ADP. So that, that's actually a question I have for you because uh, it's going to be relevant to me too. At this point, I had kind of done some drafting where I had a lot of Josh Jacobs early. So I started to take some, uh, I mean, a lot of Zemir White too, but then started to take some Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake gets cut. Like, are you chasing these guys that are like, there's a world where like, let's say Keyshawn Vaughn could break out of the Bucks backfield. Would you take him in the 18th at all, knowing how much Rashad White you have and how much more obvious Leonard Fournette is? I, I don't I don't mind that. I mean, I you're never going to get any pushback from me on taking a running back who's not getting drafted in the majority of these drafts. That's also in one of the printing press backfields, right? And uh, Keyshawn Vaughn and Gio Bernard combined for two touchdowns in 30 touches that week against the Eagles in the playoffs when the Bucs were down Leonard Fournette. So it just does not matter in this offense. So I, I don't mind the thesis of the, of the Keyshawn Vaughn play. And also this is completely wrong on Kubert saying if you draft everyone around 8% that you're paying the rake. It's actually the opposite on that. You'd be even with the field. You wouldn't be paying the rake. It's It would be the people who are on the other extremes that would be paying the rake, either massively overweight or way underweight. Um, I am, let's do as much as Chubb is kind of fun, but so is Judy. I would go Judy personally. Yeah, I've been trying to like at 15%. I've uh, even been trying to boost my Judy a little bit more. Yeah, I'm under the field on Judy, which I don't love because one of the big bets that I made overall in terms of like my my brain function and what I would do um, and we'll be doing DFS is that the Broncos offense is going to be really good and it starts to make more sense now uh, without Tim Patrick in the mix, unfortunately, due to his injury. Uh, Judy, like I have a lot of Sutton. I'm over the field on Sutton. I'm like you. I'm very over on KJ Hamler, but Judy kind of never appealed to me too much to even coming into the league, really. And I feel like he's not a great outside receiver should be playing in the slot. But at this point, if you believe in an offense, like you probably shouldn't be so under on one guy and so over on another guy. Yeah. This this is a fun question by JW. Do you think the winner has already been drafted? Obviously, we're getting more and more information here now that preseason is done. We didn't have anything massively shake things up, though. And just by a pure math standpoint, I mean, I was just looking. The contest is 80% full. I feel like just by a numbers game, the winner has already been drafted. Mm -hmm. I don't know if the information edge can outperform four-fifths of the contest already being filled. I uh, I think personally that it's been drafted. And I just going off the logic that I've had where there were some teams that I've drafted where I had Brian Robinson, KJ Hamler, Romeo Dubs in the last three rounds, or Isaiah McKenzie maybe in that grouping, like, Somebody out there got, whether hopefully it's me or Pete or one of you guys out there, but somebody out there got that discount, then also drafted perfectly, drafted structurally, stacked, like, and then they're going to get lucky enough, too, to make this happen, that I would be surprised if the winner hasn't been drafted already. Uh, but that might be me coming in as, uh, you know, as a relative noob, at least for maxing out these tournaments and assuming that uh, people just got too much of a good deal early on. Yeah, th my real answer is... If it's one of my 126 that I've already completed, it's been drafted. If it's not one of those 126, then it hasn't been drafted yet. Yeah, you are. If you are trying to max it out, by the way, make sure to keep in mind that you got to get in these final entries, whether it be on underdog or DraftKings. If you are doing an underdog, make sure you use the promo code SPLASH. Double your deposit up to $100. The money goes right to the show to making it a better and more magical place for you guys to come hang out with us. So go use that promo code SPLASH over on underdog uh, for yourself to double your deposit up to $100. 
Josh Frick, of course, you can. No, roll, I'm not. Out. That's a bad joke. Yeah, and, make it the uh, Josh needs joke to be better. That that yeah. joke was made within a hundred times within two minutes or two minutes of that news coming up. <laughs> yeah, when you guys make funny comments, I pull them on screen. When you make bad jokes, you get ignored. <laughs> Poor Josh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I like this team's construction so far. I, you know, I think I've obviously, uh, as Pete has for the years too, really gone and railed against running backs a lot this season. Uh, but I would say if you are going to take a running back to me, take one of the first three rounds, then don't deal with it again until the ninth or 10th round. Um, so normally I would push back on drafting any running backs, but Fournette in the third feels pretty good. Yeah. And it, it's like the classic thing. Oh, you take Tyreek Hill, what? six, seven spots of edit ahead of ADP. And then you get CD lamb or uh, Leonard Fournette nine picks past ADP. The piss boy stuff always finds a way of averaging itself out. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Will is saying Roto run drafting the winner right now. That's the thing too. Is like, I feel like if we say the winner's probably been drafted, like that doesn't mean you shouldn't draft. Like you could easily end up in a lucky room. I just think you're now relying on some different factors that are out of your control, but we are on the clock again. It is a heavy running back zone. Should we draft Zeke for, for Willis? Um, <laughs> Zeke went into the 100s in a Herzig draft I saw on Twitter today. No, we're going to get a... We're, we're not done packing our brief shares here at pick 57. What's up with Cam Akers, by the way? Like, why is he not full go yet? Like, was it... He played in the playoffs. Like, why is he not healthy again? Do you not read the Fantasy Life newsletter? I, I didn't read it today, actually. I mean, I so there's there's an, a legit interesting development going on in there where they first they held Kyron Williams out of their last preseason game, and McVeigh said Henderson had a full go at practice, and then he said that Cam Akers isn't able to do like full sprint workouts right now, and we're what ten days away from their Thursday night opener against the Bills, and they're bubble wrapping their rookie Kyron Williams. Like the alarm bells are sounding for me on Cam Akers. And uh, I think he should be slipping a, a good bit here. Also people pointing out, apparently I got baited by a screenshot from the randomizer. I don't know. I just see, I don't follow her. Like, I don't really know him. I just saw the tweet pop up. I thought it was credible and went with it. Oh, the, the, the Zeke fall one. Yeah. That got a lot of people. Yeah. Um, Look, so right, I'm in good company we'll do, then. We'll do wow. uh, more over Mooney, huh? Yeah. Okay. I'm more over Mooney. I am, I am basically fully out of any expensive pieces on the Bears offense. I, th I think the Bears offense is going to be so bad. Um, I don't mind like late shares, obviously, of her our guy Herbert. I don't mind taking Justin Fields as a QB too, but top 100 picks on the Bears does never, uh, never feels good to me. You, did you watch any of the game? Like he, Justin Fields kind of looked like what I, what at least I thought he was going to be last year, like in the preseason. It is a preseason, but like he's been kind of slinging it. Fields, yeah, yeah. No, I, I like I, I, I've never had any doubts about Fields. I think Fields is awesome. They just did jack shit to help him this year, and I think it's going to be a pretty uninspired offense again. I mean, the only thing that I think could make it fun is if they dial up more design runs for Fields and like really let him get loose. But last year they weren't even giving him designed runs. So again, I, I don't have problems with fields. Oh, and I, I still like commit too. Like, I just think if you're going to play these bad offenses, play them cheaply. Same thing with now that like Damian Pierce is getting super expensive where it's like, I don't want to invest yeah. a top 100 pick on a committee back on one of the worst offenses in football. Like, but I'll take a shot on Nico Collins late. You know, I just, I think in same with Brevin Jordan, I just, I don't want to pay premiums on these bad offenses. I, I saw the DraftKings uh, rankings update. Now is Damian Pierce at like 50, which 
I, I was getting him in the one fifties. I, I just don't see if you've been drafting this entire time. And I don't mean to like, you know, if you're new to this, like, sorry that you guys missed the, the window where these guys were like really nice values and people just straight up didn't want Damian Pierce. But the fact that he's up like 70 picks and rank and ADP now, like I just don't see how, I don't think it's a good move to draft him at all at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Joseph saying, isn't Elijah Moore on an inherently bad offense? I guess that's up to for debate. I think they've loaded up on enough talent. And we, if we're ever going to see breakouts from quarterbacks, it will te- technically be uh, or normally be in their second year. And also Elijah Moore was incredibly efficient last year, averaged 17.7 points per game before he got hurt and fits that profile of a second year breakout where these guys can traditionally destroy uh, their draft costs. Whereas I kind of feel like we know what, Darnell Mooney is. I, I don't really see Darnell Mooney being a second round pick next year where I could certainly see scenarios where Elijah Moore is a second round pick. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Terrell Davis asking, why are we so confident the bears being bad? I mean, I'm not that I'm not confident in that personally. I think at this point, like I don't mind taking stacks of pretty much any team as long as they align and you're not reaching for them too much. But I do think, you know, you kind of have to measure it out where do you want more Chiefs stacks or you know, Broncos stacks, or do you want more bear stacks by that metric? Like, I think you want a lot more, a, a lot more Broncos, a lot less bears, but still like you could talk me into bear stacks because it's so cheap. And there've been times now in some of these casual rooms where I get scooped to QB and I'm like, all right, I guess I'm doing fields and somebody late. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly think there's merits. Yeah. Um, let's get some Pollard. Wow. So even the, the 40 pick discount or 30 pick discount on acres, not enough. Ah, <sighs> man. I'm torn because it is, it is pretty bearish, but I think you're right. I think, I think 30 is enough. <laughs> yeah. Like I like Pollard. I think acres comes with the risk that they were saying, even when it looked like acres would be healthy, that it's going to be like a split between him and Henderson. Um, but still like, you know, if Akers does run good and they give him the 20 touches a game at some point this year, you're probably feeling pretty good about getting him at 81. No, I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out to me. Uh, <laughs> he, he was a guy that I had mentally crossed off, not thinking, you know, and again, in a normal draft room, he's not falling there. And uh, I think I had uh, zoned him out. And uh, I think you're right. That's a nice pick at 81. Oh, the people Willis wants a howl from you. <laughs> do you have, do you have a move day howl? No, I'm too beaten down and exhausted. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> uh, so this team, Pete, lacking your usual gusto for week 17 correlations. Stack's not there. We're doing full best player available. Um, let's see. Can I can I find an accidental stack? No, I mean we have we have our I guess we didn't we have our jets bet. <laughs> that's our that's our we're we're gonna get another stack here in a second. We, I mean, we got to get a, a maybe a Seattle QB late to to run that back for week seventeen. <laughs> exactly. Now we're gonna we're gonna get uh we'll take Dak here to stack up with uh with um, Lamb. Have you drafted any of the lower rung Dallas tight ends by any chance? And I, I have a point why I'm bringing this up, but would you draft any of the, like the rook? They drafted a rookie, Jake Ferguson. They have some other guys made some headlines. Did you draft anybody besides Dalton Schultz, basically at tight end. Not at tight end. I did. I kind of want to grab a few more shares of Noah Brown, and this might be a team to do it with. I think he was playing in most of their two wide sets during the preseason, and the stuff on Tolbert honestly hasn't seen that great. Um, but no, I don't think I – I mean, I just think if you're going the rookie tight end route, I mean, Trey McBride, Bellinger, Dolchich, there's so much smoke on those guys being legit starters – or sorry, not with McBride, but at least with Dolchich and Bellinger that I have a hard time – going much deeper than that 
See, I kind of uh, think that I want to get a few shares of Ferguson down the home stretch just because of the fact that, like, uh, so this is where you're probably doing a little too much 40 chess, and I, I think I am. Uh, but I'll, I'll say it out loud. Uh, so basically, there's a quote from McCarthy talking about how, like, the rookie tight ends have been looking fantastic. Ferguson has come and been better than expected. They might run some two tight end sets, all of that. But then you look at the fact they didn't want to pay Dalton Schultz. He's on a franchise tag. Like, I think that the way that Schultz fails is not that the offense goes away from him. It's that one of these other guys starts to look better, you know, and then they're like, okay, we're not Schultz isn't part of our future plans. This guy looks good. So I think I'm with you. Like, I prefer Dulcich. He's my default late round tight end. McBride, if I don't have the Cardinals double stack, I'm going to get there as well. But I think Ferguson is a guy we're taking a few shots at where if you're hard up for that Cowboys double, if even Noah Brown goes, I wouldn't mind taking Ferguson late because I think there's some, you know, team construction tea leaves that are there with them not wanting to pay Schultz. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't given it much thought. I do think it just, I mean, with the 18 roster spots too, it's just, it's harder to get creative with those luxury picks. Because again, if you're doing the Ferguson thing, it has to fit like a very specific criteria, which is you're on a Dak Prescott team and you're on a three tight end punt build, and you don't think there's a huge opportunity cost in passing on McBride, who still isn't like drafted in the majority of leagues. So it's just like a little tougher sell for me, but I get the thought process. Uh, Pete, Uh, Josh, Josh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, Nick asking, would this be considered a modified hyperfragile? I completely agree. says, I think this could be a four running back room. Unless like we really punted running back four until 15th, 16th round, then I could maybe see pushing it to five. But I think if we get another running back before, you know, round 14 or 15, this definitely feels like a four running back build to me. Uh, Josh asking, are you guys worried about Will Fuller yet? I've not been taking as much as you have, Pete. You've been taking a little more Will Fuller for yourself. Are you completely done with the Will Fuller game? Has his bag's been packed for you? Um, I feel like I still take him occasionally when I'm at 12%. Um, I'll, I'll still take stabs on Will Fuller. Okay. There was a, uh, I think it was actually the Knights of D-Gen guys yeah. who had a, an interview. Actually, it was Clay, uh, one of your, your I guys. I retweeted that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like uh, talking to Deshaun Kaiser or Deshaun Kaiser about uh, Will Fuller, and I guess they're close friends. So he was like, yeah, Will Fuller's going to play. He's really fast. Like he's ready to go and ever. Um, I think he'll land on a team. It, it's just like you really are. Like you can't stack him. You're just taking him now if you get him in the 18th round and, and hope that he lands somewhere. And, and he would instantly be worth a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, the the quote too is just kind of him saying he's kind of holding out. I think maybe waiting for a better contract when one of these teams has an injury or something and they come calling, then he'll maybe pick his spot a little bit more. Ah, uh, shit. I was excited to take Hawkinson at 105. Mm. Um, yeah, Burke's gone too. Let's see. Uh, I, I'll, I'll do Knox. I think Knox still. I, where, how do you view Knox? Because whenever I see Knox, I view him. So I view like tight ends one through six or seven in their own tier. And then like tight end, you know, 11 through 24. I kind of have Knox and Hawkinson and Goddard in their own tier in the middle. And so when those other guys are gone, I do feel like Goddard's the last of that mid tier. I apparently in BBM only have 3% Knox, but I think that's more because I prefer him being like a really good tight end too. I think if you get scooped on all the elite tight ends and don't want to reach for anybody, like that's where I agree with you. Like the Goddard Knox tier of guys are like the ones that you could feel okay about as your tight end one. And it's like as good as you're going to get, but I don't think he's like a high priority for me. Like, uh, you know, I think I got him the most on like lineups where I got Higgins early and then I needed a bills bring back, but didn't get Gabe didn't get digs or, and it didn't get maybe one of the running backs too. Um, so like, I don't mind Knox, but I, I think like, 
he's still a pretty big drop off with him, Goddard, and those guys compared to like the best Kittle can give, or if Waller's getting paid and he's back and healthy. Like, I think there's still a pretty big gap between those two groups. And I think maybe the better way to put it is Knox is a guy that I think still gives me kind of a green light for a two tight end build, where if you really start to push it, then you are kind of forced in. Well, not necessarily. You can push it however far you want, but starts to feel like more three tight end territory. I mean, I'm down to take Miles Sanders here at pick 112 and be done at running back. Is there anything I'm missing? I mean, if we're done, I mean, we could take, I guess, really double the bet on the Jets with Garrett Wilson, who you also enjoy, but I feel like Sanders has a nice discount now. Yeah, we could also double the bet with Julio. You do remove yourself from being able to get, you know what? This is what we're going to do. We're going to do Julio. Um, the I believe uh, Russell Gage hasn't been practicing for, yeah. a, for a while right now. Uh, Godwin's still up in the early. I didn't, I normally take Garrett Wilson there, you know, nine times out of 10, but I think with Hall and Elijah Moore, <laughs> we might be capping what we could realistically ask for from this offense in, in one given week, which is what we're going to need here. So we'll, we'll get our, our, uh, an expensive Julio share after getting a bunch of him much cheaper. Yeah. And what all the people who like the, the players they've known for the last decade are happy to hear is that Julio Jones, Tom Brady has some positive reports for him, apparently saying he's fitting in perfectly. I still would prefer, like I prefer if Gage were healthy, I would take Gage over him, but you are, you're right. Like I think Gage has been out three weeks now uh, since whatever that ambiguous leg injury was. And, and it's not great for him, but I still think Julio, like the fact that he went up 60 picks in ADP just because people are like, Julio, I know that guy. I, I just feel like that's the worst kind of draft picks that I don't want to make a lot of. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, if, if I didn't have one of Brees or Elijah Moore, I, I would have definitely have gotten Garrett there. All right, shout out Sean, by the way, sending in a $25 super chat with nothing to say. So uh, that is a, a nice bit of a money for the channel, Pete, of course. And Sean, uh, you know, just a man of few words. You know what? I, I keep waiting for the shoe to drop. And then like you see the next message and it's like, Spags, take off your shirt and twirl around. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's how that works. They don't get to just make a demand afterward. <laughs> uh, uh, Eagle, yeah. Eagle says, who's the better pick right now? Julio Jones or Will Fuller? I mean, I think it has to be Julio Jones. I mean, we're trying to, we're hoping Will Fuller lands in the spot that Julio already landed in. Basically it's, it's hard to imagine a, a better landing spot for a guy than on the bucks with Tom Brady with multiple pass catchers in front of him injured. And knowing that I could have gotten Julio 60 picks later in ADP, I would say Will Fuller just because if Will Fuller signed today, he would probably be a one, you know, 120 level pick right now. So I would go Will Fuller, but you know, to me, I think you got to get the discount when it was there. And now there was clearly no discount left on Julio, unless he got into the one hundreds, like, like players seem to randomly do week to week, like Pickens, Burks. Now, at least those guys are young. Yeah. Where did Pickens go in this draft? He's, he is so steamed up. Like I it's don't so steamy. <laughs> 85. I swear every time I do a BBM three draft, he goes a couple picks higher. It, it's too it's much enthusiasm. Right and like, and we've talked about Pickens. Like we liked Pickens early on. I, I know I called him out when he was in the one fifties and he was like starting outside. Like we did one of the shows. We're like, Oh, here's the training camp guys that could really come up. He is now so untenable to me. And, and I like Pickens. He shouldn't be ahead of Burks and Burks has had like his first good game. And like, people are still taking him ahead of Burks. I know I it's, I don't, I get it. He shoves guys down at the line of scrimmage. He's got that dog in him. Take Claypool. 
Yeah, Claypool's yeah. so much cheaper. I know the shoulder scares people. Like, that's the one thing if you are new to drafting here, or you're, you know, like uh, maybe a more casual player and you're seeing the Q tags and the out tags, like don't avoid those guys. On DraftKings, people really actively avoid them. On Underdog, it's like less the case, but sometimes it still happens. Like don't be afraid to draft a guy who's banged up now and who isn't like full go now because uh, when these guys are full go, when, it's going to be when it matters the most. And I feel like I've seen people fall and it's like, it's definitely, a, I think, a trap that newer drafters kind of run into. If, if if there's someone out there that thinks Will Fuller is a better pick than Julio Jones right now, you should have 100% exposure to Will Fuller in your drafts going forward because you're saying that he's you know mispriced by six rounds, and that would be uh, an auto selection in every single draft. Yeah, the market data thing is something I think people don't get, but you know the market is established where Julio should be, and it's going to be how it goes. Let's see here. This is another man. Both of the my Cowboys wide receivers got wiped out there. Hmm. Um. Hmm. Kamat's a nice. You could do another. What? It, what did you say? Kamat's a nice discount at this yeah. point. Yeah. Let's do. We can do Kamat. And then we're done at tight end, which I feel like that's an okay deal. It's not like the strongest tight end duo ever, but like we could be done at two with those guys. That's right. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I think we're definitely done it too. Unless uh, you really want to sell me on 18th round Jake Ferguson. <laughs> I think I made the case. Like, I think there are some, <laughs> there's probably a little bit of an edge in like the team construction kind of things that people sometimes sleep on. Cause even people like poking holes and you know, what I mentioned about drew lock, but it's the same logic for the Steelers with Trubisky. They're starting Trubisky cause he's been good enough. And if Trubisky is bad, then they could bring in Pickett and go like, well, we're now developing him. And that's how you save jobs, how you keep people employed. Like that's the way that these teams work. So like, I think there's a lot of things people sometimes don't think about with that. That probably gives you a bit of an edge in drafts, but ultimately like you can't be chasing Jake Ferguson too much in the 18th round. Yeah. Or drew lock, I guess. I mean, I, I think Ferguson's probably a better pick for you than Drew Locke. Um, <laughs> Unfair. Well, now, here after my whole anti-Bears tirade, uh, do or we want to stack up Fields and Tomet? Or, or Tua. So whoever see. you prefer. You have less Tua. Yeah, you're right. Let's get this balanced out. Stay uh, logically consistent after saying I want nothing to do with this Bears offense. <laughs> I think Fields has looked good. Like I've been impressed. I've been happy with seeing the growth. Um, so I, I personally, you know, am willing to go to Fields. But yeah, I think Tua, Tua showed a good amount. Like that was a really nice preseason game. Like the throws he yeah. was making were ones that Tua was not making the last few years. Yeah, I think I think the and uh, I, I forget who it was. Maybe it was Warren Sharp had stats looking at kind of average depth of target for Tua and also for those receivers too, and in, in much higher in this preseason than it was last year. So if that carries over and they are more of a deep shot kind of offense, that could be very fun. And there's no reason they shouldn't be. I mean, they have the speed and the talent. I was actually listening a little bit to Bill Simmons podcast this afternoon and he had sharp on too. And he was kind of outlaying why people are, you know, are not maybe uh, as in tune with two as they could be. And it's like, you know, his first years come back from the hip injury. And then they also were designing an offense for Ryan Fitzpatrick. The second year is the COVID stuff and guys couldn't be in the facilities and all that. And then now it's an offense that's built around him that has Tyree kill. So like there's some things, if you want to talk yourself into two of that are there, 
Uh, but still, you know, it, it is a, a buy in there. And, and him and Justin Fields, honestly, I feel kind of similarly about uh, Bullock pointing out, by the way, 235 viewers live for Splash Play. I think we're a little bit higher now. So if you're new around here, make sure you are subscribed to Peach Channel. Of course, this show will officially be full time on our Splash Play YouTube channel at youtube.com slash C slash Splash Play Pod. So please subscribe. Stay along with us here because the fun doesn't stop, Pete, during best ball season. We just keep hammering this week after week for DFS, for prop betting. All of our famous friends come on the show. So there's a lot to look forward to this season for Splash Play. Who are our famous friends? Uh, we had Matthew Barry on that one time. <laughs> You're, wow, that seems so long ago. <laughs> it's uh, honestly, it's, it was like a year and change ago, but it really does feel like time has flown with not having fun. Well, we also, we didn't really do any guests in the offseason. We just were incredibly self-indulgent. We're like, what if we just drafted all summer and didn't have to bother reaching out to anyone to come on this show? Pete, we were building a foundation that we can carry over to DFS season, but a lot of these other shows cannot. Uh, Trisket asking, win puppy four. I don't know, but did you see they launched the Pomeranian? You got all fast drafts, I believe 0% rake. And yeah, 0% rake, $3. So I, I wouldn't hold your breath for a puppy four i don't know uh but take advantage of the pomeranian three dollar entry still pretty nice up top twenty thousand dollars top prize zero rake uh definitely max that if you're hunting for the cheaper tourneys yeah keep in mind that fills really fast too so if you are going to do the pomeranian like do it within the next 24 hours yeah people like those cheap tourneys then but it is it makes sense 15 entries like max like that's that's a nice little nice little haul nice little afternoon for yourself if you don't have any work to do Ross says, see if Mason wants to join you. I literally asked and uh, I got a thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, that was what I could tell. I was like, oh, he doesn't want to play. <laughs> Just the thumbs up reply. I, I texted Pete. I'm like, Pete, you can handle this one. You're going to handle it with more, more, uh, you know, not vinegar. Whatever I would offer is going to be vinegar, more sugar than vinegar. And uh, no, just got the thumbs up reply and nary a word after. <laughs> Which is uh, fair. Look, you know, you got, you got the big following. Who, how can we be mad? Let's see. Uh, we gonna. I say we take your guy Alec Pierce here. Love Alec Pierce. He he's almost a bags packed for me guy because he's been coming up enough. Where like, boy, there was an Alec Pierce discount for a while, and I don't think there ever should have been. And I think that's one of those things that people just had a blind spot. The um, what was I gonna say? Oh, what's going on with Kenny Galladay? <laughs> like every tweet I see now is like Kenny Galladay doesn't care, half assing it. Could he get cut or traded? Like, have things gone that bad for Kenny Galladay? So he can't get cut because it would actually cost the Giants like $7 million in cap space to cut him now. So, Worth like, it. he's locked in. <laughs> but the tweet that went viral was him, like, not blocking on a play, but it was, like, a run-pass option. So, like, he did have cover. But it just looked bad because he ran up to the defender, then just kind of looked around and walked away. <laughs> like, he, like, if you block, like, if you knock something down in a grocery store, if you break a bottle and you just go, like, well... I guess this isn't my problem. That was how he blocked, and that's probably not what you want to see from your star receiver. Yeah, he. Uh, it, it doesn't look good. I mean, it's that's why it, that's why it's so, so dicey with these wide receivers. You know, playing the the bounce back narrative. I, I still don't mind it with the Giants because I do think the range of outcomes for them is so big. But it is a little spooky seeing how degaff he is. Well, especially with like Tony banged up too. Like he seems like he should be more value, but honestly, probably just take more Sterling Shepard at this point. Um, man, Mike's gonna be really pissed at me too because now we're gonna have to now we're gonna have to fight. Um, I might just double up on Colts here. Ooh, Can't do Jets. It. Forget these Jags. 
I mean, this is a disgusting. I mean, Paris Campbell's the only wide receiver name in here that's even remotely interesting to me. David Bell's getting some nice articles about him with them, like yeah. saying that he's going to be a part of the offense and he's like, he's healthy now. And he was one of those guys that like was going early, um, and earlier on in the draft season, and then he just kind of fell off because he was hurt, you know, with a foot injury that barely held him out. Yeah, I uh, he's he he is one of the last interesting names super late and his uh i was grinding the tape i was watching the cut up of all of his snaps from the most recent recent preseason game he squint he's just jarvis landry in the browns offense all over again but much cheaper yeah you kind of there was a guy who i thought he reminded me of that i you know will always hold his rookie season in a lot of esteem because it was one of those ones where like we've talked about our season long leagues and when that really mattered to us anquan bolden he kind of reminded me of where bolden came out of nowhere to get like 10 targets a game and that was what he looked like like just nice you know 10 yard catches 12 yard catches like was kind of peppering him um in that game that david bell had so like I'd stop taking him because I, I it was honestly stupid. I think the Deshaun stuff plus him being hurt spooked me off of it. But I think if you want like a cheap guy, like it's he and Pierce are probably the two guys that go cheap enough, but still could theoretically like maybe should have been worth, you know, like a 120 spot or you know somewhere like they're not pickings, but they could be in that range. Yeah. I'm kind of with Paul. I'm a little bit back on the TDP train. I've been oh, yeah. taking basically one of TDP or Jeff Wilson in basically any of my zero RB build drafts, which is which is the majority of them right now. Uh, man, I, I think there's so much value. I guess, you know, Eli Mitchell was, I believe, back at practice, and they think he'll be fine for week one. But, man, there's still much, so much opportunity in that backfield. Yeah, they also cut Jamichael Hasty too. So that's yeah. another, another body out of the room. Especially because Jamichael Hasty was maybe going to have a clear path to third down work in that offense because he was, at least he profiled as the most kind of third down ready back. Now it feels wide open for who could, could have that role. Yeah. And Trey Sermon, they were saying like, he's not a risk to get cut because he's apparently been you know doing what they asked in uh training camp and he's learning to be more of a North South runner. So he's still in the mix, but yeah, I think TDP, like TDP is one of those guys we just kind of cooled on overall and everybody cooled on. But I think if you are under the field, if you're under that 8% threshold on TDP, just trying to get to 8%, I think, is, is a wise move. Yeah. I mean, it's it's similar to the Chiefs' backfield, right? The Chiefs and Niners, I just I just want to keep taking stabs at that. One of those guys is going to massively destroy ADP. And so you just want exposure to a bunch of them. Uh, yeah, I have to say, too, um, there was uh, – actually, wait, let's go to Bullet Chat here. Pete, did you get a chance to look at Siegel? Sean Siegel, of course, the grandfather of Zero RB – or not grandfather, grandfather sounds mean. <laughs> <laughs> get off my lawn. <laughs> you got to draft no running backs. Oh, you young whippersnappers always drafted so many running backs. No, but he did have a list. And, Pete, they were all guys that I take with frequency, so I felt pretty good about it. So I will give a firm cosign to Sean Siegel's article over at Rotoviz with his ideal running back candidates for Zero RB builds. Yeah, and it was interesting. I feel like in previous years, he's normally had, so he does them in order of cost normally. And normally the final one is a rookie who's, you know, kind of gotten buzzed up into the fifth, sixth round. I believe it was Javante Williams last year. You know, he'll normally kind of kind of move up to that line. And this year, I, I won't even spoil it. Two guys from the same team in the, uh, in the top five. And uh, we've had some debates about that backfield on ship chasing. And uh, I do highly recommend uh, reading it. No one, no one is better at identifying those, those diamonds in the rough there. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited about a lot of those guys.
Yeah, I agree. I think they're nice groupings and certainly guys, I, I think we've beat the drum of a lot in this offseason. So it's always nice with somebody who's effectively smarter than you and actually invented the thing that you're doing. And they go, yeah, these guys you've been doing it all all these months with are actually good picks. That, that definitely made me feel like I had a good proof of concept. Yeah. Let's see here. So I did take uh, Raheem Mostert, figured he could be fourth back. We could still maybe go five backs if we want, but also with my uh, Miami bet, adding him onto the team, another guy who makes an appearance on the zero RB list. Is our guy David Bell here? Why don't we do David oh, Bell? Yeah, I'm okay. Oh, you actually have a good, you might be above the field on Bell based on him not getting drafted for a while there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was he was one of those guys where I was drafting a bunch early. Like my David Bell shares are at a much higher price. Like I think I have a lot of around pick 150 David Bell and not the the super cheap David Bell. So Pete, you, how dedicated am I in my draft strategy? You've been really good at guessing everything. How much David Bell do I have in Best Ball Mania? Hmm. The way you said it, I, I feel I'm like you're, by it. you're surprised. My guess is you're surprised that you're lower or higher. No, I'm going to say you're at 9% David Bell. 11% David Bell I have, okay. which I don't know how that happened because I haven't taken him in like months. <laughs> yeah. So I was hammering David Bell early, but like, I feel good. It's one of those things where like, you know, I've, David Bell might not matter to any lineup this year, let alone one of mine. But that said, it feels good when the guy's coming back around. It's like, oh, good. I already got my shares of him probably at too high of a cost. So I don't need to get much more David Bell. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. What are, I think my last wide receiver, I will take a, a Cowboys flyer. And then the no. real question is, do we go... 10 wide receivers with this build or five running backs? What do you think? I, man, we did get a lot of early running back capital, but it feels like we could add one more. I feel like I would take a wide receiver now and then see in the 18th, which way you want to go more. Yeah, because the, the last running back I take is going to be an off the board guy, most likely anyways, although maybe we just add on a 49ers back. Honestly, not a bad price tag on Brian Robinson at this point. <laughs> Spags. <laughs> 70 spots. The issue is like you're now getting him after two gunshot wounds and he's going like where he was before all the training camp buzz. So I don't know that that's an appropriate discount or what. Yeah, most of my Brian Robin, I don't think I've taken him once uh, at his elevated price because he was just a fixture at pick 170 for basically most of the offseason. Yeah, it's it's tough to figure out. Like, there's no no previous precedent with what to do with the situation, but other than hope that he gets well soon and fast. Dun dun Breaking news: Davis Maddock is taking David Bell and all the Pomeranians. Sources say Davis Maddock hammering David Bell. Oh boy, that's a breaking news from Maddock. Has how does he have the time to do as many guest spots as he does? <laughs> well, because he drafts during the guest spots, and so he writes it off as a as a drafting expense. Oh, that's smart. That's yeah. <laughs> what Liam's going after. Honestly, Liam reposted all of the, the teams from his marathon stream. I feel like our team held up pretty well. Like no, no lineups that are like dead, like no parts that were awful. We got double stacks. I felt good about the team we drafted. That is the thing. Again, because there haven't been too many massive landmines this off season, like when you tab through your old teams, you're not that disgusted by them. Yeah, the only guy meaningfully lost, I guess, besides Brian Robinson now, but, you know, again, hoping he'll be back based on what we're hearing. Mechie is the one I lost, and that's another, like, tragedy situation that I can't possibly be mad at. Let's get my first share of Noah Brown here. I'm going to take a little Noah Brown. 
Who's yeah? Who's Dontario Dantanucci? What was that name? Is that Ben Danucci? No, it was yeah, it was Dontario. Oh, Dontario drove it. If there was a Dontario Beneducci, I, I was like, mixed, you mixed these two up right the there. Yeah. Uh, uh, Harb says, are you coming around on Noah Brown? I'll tell you what I'm coming around on, not going single stack with Dak Prescott after getting sniped on Tolbert and Michael Gallup. And Noah Brown's going to start. Like, he's one of the guys that's locked in to be in the three-hole potentially. Also, I might have misspoke earlier. I don't think Hasty got cut. Star Kindler saying Hasty cut when. I think the athletic reporters were saying he's pretty likely to get cut. So that might be. Oh, all right. I even got fooled by you. Yeah, my bad. Um, do we want to just grab Wilson or go way off the board? Oh no, I'm getting Kyron. Kyron's who we're doing. Mm-hmm. No, we fuck. We have Damn it, we have count. Cam Akers. Uh that would have that would I couldn't that would have been a big no no. Big handcuck no no. Maybe they get there, they get there in different ways, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Kyron Williams a pass game back, Cam Akers injured, not good. That's how they yeah. get there. <laughs> Uh, I do want to start taking more Kyron Williams, just not on teams where I'm betting on Cam Akers. Yeah, I, he's another 18th round flyer. I, it's funny because we did the 18th round picks, and it feels like we still could have done more. And I love the 18th round pick kind of guys. It's oh, the 3K minimum guys in DFS, the 18th round draft pick guys. It feels like, though, you really could point out 10 to 20 guys and be like, yeah, these actually are credible guys to be taken in the 18th round. There's a chance that something goes wrong. Yeah. I mean, the running back, you can you can make cases for a lot of these guys. You can scroll down, find guys that appear. There's two guys on my screen right here that are on the Sean Zero RB list. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyron Williams, who I wanted to take. Matt Breida, who's still like a direct handcuff. Um, Tyler Beatty, who like could be getting 40% of the snaps week one with Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins not ready. I mean, there's all kinds of interesting players super late. Actually, interesting question from Devon in the chat saying, is Lance McCutcheon on the draft board yet? So he might be in the Pomeranian, but he would not be in best ball mania because that draft's been going on. So but like McCutcheon is a guy that like could be in the mix to get some Van Jefferson snaps if they hold him out longer. Uh, so he might be in the Pomeranian, but he's definitely not in best ball mania. Anybody who wasn't originally initially on the player list is not going to be added. Let's see That'd here. So yeah. recap of the team. This was. This is definitely the build I was doing the most at the beginning of the summer. The uh, the two five nine two here, um, Dak Prescott and Tua. We do get Dak double stack with Lamb and Noah Brown. We get Tua with Mostert and Tyreek Hill. Running backs: uh, Leonard Fournette, Brees Hall, Cam Akers, Mostert, Jeff Wilson. I do think it was close. We could have gone four running backs probably if we wanted, but we waited until one seventy seven. So I don't mind tacking on Jeff Wilson at the end. Uh, wide receivers, Lamb, Hill, Jerry, Judy, Elijah Moore, Julio Jones, Alec Pierce, Paris Campbell, David Bell, Noah Brown. I think that's fine. Tight end, Knox and Komet. Eh, it's probably fine. All right, there we go. So an interesting team. I feel like, Pete, I let you just take the driver's seat on this one because I feel like you need to get your Pete touches on these last 20 entries for yourself. <laughs> that's fall mania. No, no, you you have your imprint on it. I wasn't going to take uh, Cam Akers because I had already mentally selected sure. Kyron Williams in the 18th round, and then I still almost <laughs> took Kyron Williams in the 18th round. It's hard to get away from Kyron Williams. If you guys are watching live for the first time, by the way, make sure you hit the like button and subscribe. Of course, Pete's channel's got a lot of great best ball content going on on the Splash Play channel as well. It'll be exclusive home of Splash Play starting with NFL Week 1. But for now, you can also get some of my solo streams, maybe even some prize ones this week um, if I could squeeze in some time at night uh, just because I want to try that out. So go subscribe over there, youtube.com slash she slash Splash Play pod. Uh, Pete, anything you want to bring to the table or do you just need to go rest and convulse and then convulse? Convalesce, hopefully not convulse. 
Pilot, you're saying a lot of words uh, right now. Yeah, no, I am going to try to spin up a stream later tonight, either 9 or 10 p.m. Eastern uh, for a little uh, belated best ball breakfast tonight. There you go. So make sure you're following at Peter Rovers at follow at Chris Spags and follow at Splash Play Pod. And of course, come back on Thursday, 2.30. Uh, no chance that BBM is going to fill it. So like we're going to be able to ride this out to the last show before the season starts, right? 80%. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to be good to, to stay on the BBM three train. So we probably collectively have like three more draft. I guess what are we doing for Labor Day? That's something we haven't talked about. Um, I will probably not be doing a show on Labor Day. So maybe we'll punt to Tuesday then next week. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We can figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, we got to get a couple more BBM drafts. Go play an underdog. Use the promo code SPLASH for yourself. Double your deposit up to $100. Pete and I will be back Thursday, 2.30. But subscribe to Pete's channel to see what he's going to pop up with some of these surprise streams. We'll see you guys then. Enjoy your weeks and good luck. Peace. Peace.